Welcome back to Two Keto Dudes. This is Carl Franklin from Connecticut in the United States. In February 2016, I put myself on a ketogenic diet to take control of my metabolism. In just two and a half months, I managed to reverse all my markers of type 2 diabetes with diet alone. As of now, I'm about 80 pounds lighter with no signs of diabetes or heart disease. Hi, I'm Richard Morris in Canberra, Australia. I've been on a ketogenic diet since April of 2014. When I started, I was very sick with complications from type 2 diabetes. Within six months of starting a ketogenic diet, all of my biomarkers of disease had disappeared. I've lost about 100 pounds. I've completely turned my health around. And this show is a document of our experiences thriving for years in ketosis. Yes, sir. Yes, it is. <laughs> and hopefully that might help a few people who are curious about this kind of dietary hacking. Yeah, we're not doctors. We don't want to give any medical advice, but we are keen to share our own experiences. We're both actually software developers, so we're not afraid of a little technical detail, are we, Carl? No, sir. <laughs> we have done some research into our own deranged metabolisms and the science behind them. We hope to share some of that research. Where possible, we intend to put links in the show notes to cite research supporting any claims that we make. And you'll probably work out pretty quickly that we're both foodies. Yep. We love to cook and we mm -hmm. love to eat. Mm -hmm. In every episode, we both share a keto recipe that cannot and will not be ignored. Not this week, it can't. <laughs> I dare you. <laughs> Unless you're fasting, then you can ignore it. <laughs> so let's start podcast number 108 Stories from Breckenridge. Could you save your due for a little? That's low carb Breckenridge. Yeah. So, Richard, do we have any apologies or corrections from last week's show? Yes, we actually do have a correction, um, and that is from Daniel on the Ketogenic Forum, and this is a correction to episode 106 with Eric Westman. Okay. And Daniel says, Hi, Richard. This is just a small correction to the episode featuring Dr. Eric Westman. Mm -hmm. I just want to point out the correct use of nomenclature. By definition, all chaps are assless. <laughs> <laughs> really? That's the errata oh, for this week, really? <laughs> oh. oh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I suppose they are. Yeah. Okay, well, if that's, that's all we got wrong, we're doing pretty good. <laughs> so let's revisit what a ketogenic diet is. A ketogenic diet is any diet that puts you in a state of ketosis, which you get by burning fat for fuel, mm -hmm. and produces ketones as a byproduct. Those ketones can be used to fuel lots of cells, including your brain. Your brain loves ketones. Your heart mm -hmm. loves ketones. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and we'd get there by reducing our carbohydrate intake to 20 grams or less per day. Yep. Protein is moderate. Scales mm -hmm. with your lean body mass, one to one and a half grams of protein per day per every kilogram of lean body mass. And then all of our energy we get from fat. 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 Yeah, fat on your plate or fat on your belly. That Krispy Kreme that you stacked away for a rainy day a couple of decades ago. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's why body fat is there, to be burned for fuel Yep. when there's no food. So, how was your week, man? Yeah, I'm just switching gears from uh, low-carb Breckenridge to KetoFest. That's right. In low-carb Breckenridge, we had conferences run by Dr. Jeff Gerber and Dr. Rod Taylor. 
Yep. We rented out a, a massive mansion. <laughs> it was like <laughs> yeah. something out of The Shining, you know. And uh, we had like, uh, I think it was eight rooms or ten bedrooms and a, a dozen yeah. of us all staying there. And mm. we cooked up a storm. It was yes, we did. off the hook. It was amazing. <laughs> it was. And we had a great time, but uh, time moves on. We have to get on to our next thing, which is Keto Fest. So we've started our Kickstarter for Keto Fest. And yeah. uh, VIP tickets are flying out the door. So if you want to yep. come to Keto Fest and you want to go to the VIP party and you want an all-access pass, there's very few of those left. Yep, it's only one way to get it. Yeah, and you only can get that through the Kickstarter. And our Kickstarter has been really taking off i mean a lot yeah, totally. better than last year i think we're like 42 percent funded in 10 days yeah we're a known yeah. uh concern We've, a lot of people came back from keto fest uh r- raving about the, what a good time they had so it, it's a lot less risk now that people know that we can put on a party and that we're good at it and uh, everyone had a good yeah. time uh, we did actually post a picture of the admins at the after party from Keto Fest 2017. Right, right. Uh, both on Facebook and on Twitter. And uh, one charming fella suggests on Twitter that these people uh, who did Keto Fest all look fat. <laughs> and yep. I would suggest who actually wants to party with thin people? Seriously. <laughs> like, like they know how to have fun. <laughs> so, anyway, screw yeah. you, anonymous dude. <laughs> Okay. So, how was your week, Carl? Oh, well, man, I had just a, a, a great week. Um, obviously, coming back from Breckenridge, trying to, you know, it's nice to be at sea level again. Oh, uh, yeah, I can breathe. <laughs> yeah, we can breathe, and uh, it's wonderful. But we had a great time, and I, I really did enjoy it. After Breckenridge, I went to a conference uh, that Microsoft puts on every year mm-hmm. for their MVPs. Right. It's the MVP Summit. And I was barraged by people coming up to me, telling me that that I saved their life. You know, wow! By coding in VB for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't that. It was obviously no. the the keto thing. Um, that's outstanding. Uh, it was just amazing. And the only difference between you know me and anybody else on the internet for these people is they know me yeah. from you know my podcast and they trust me. Hmm. That helps. That I think that's it. I mean, it's just, yeah, that's what mm. led them to, to try the ketogenic thing. And people are reversing diabetes and losing weight. And, you know, have you seen this guy? Have you seen this guy? And like <laughs> just a, you know, a dozen or more people had, had come up to me and said that. So that wow. was really rewarding. That's very humbling, isn't it? It's very humbling. Yeah. Mm. Um, I spent the afternoon yesterday down at RD86, and mm-hmm. this is the the spark maker space the old spark maker space for where the kitchen was at keto fest last year yeah and uh chef robert mm-hmm. robert ramsey has turned this entire thing into a production kitchen and restaurant environment nice cuz last year it was it had multiple uh, purposes it was like a wood shop and it yep. was like an electronic shop and yeah it was a drop in center and now it's just it's all restaurant all of the time. That's right. And the, the wood shop in the back that nobody really had access to is a production <laughs> kitchen with nice. four or five different stations, uh, two big convection ovens, you know, uh, freezers, refrigerators. Uh, and he's using for burners. He's not using ranges. He's using induction burners. Right. 
And these, I guess, uh, only get hot when they come in contact with metal. Yeah, you have to have a ferrous pot right. on them. Or fry pan, yeah. Yeah. So I went down there yesterday to talk Keto Fest and other things, which I'll tell you about in a minute. And uh, mm-hmm. he had made sous vide beef short ribs. Ooh. With a mirepoix. And Ooh. oh, it was so good. Yeah. I actually had uh, beef short ribs tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Interestingly enough, using a pressure cooker. But yeah, sous, yeah. sous vide beef short ribs. Nice. So the other thing we talked about is doing a mini keto fest, just a one day thing, mm-hmm. once a month. Oh, nice. And all it would be would be you come down, we'll do some cooking demos, we'll eat some food, mm-hmm. and we'll watch uh, video presentations by some of the rock stars that we've interviewed on our show and in, in the keto community. Mm-hmm. And then we will have live Q&A with those experts. Nice. Do you have enough uh, locals that have gone keto? For such an event? Yeah, I started a New London County ketogenic meetup group. Oh, right. Yeah. And it's got almost 300 people in it. Sweet. So, that's uh, that's what we're going to do. And So, it's yeah. going to be like a whole day of uh, stuff that you would do at KetoFest. Nice. And I got the first date. <laughs> and guess who's going to be in town April 7th? That's me. <laughs> that's you. I'll be in town. Yeah, I will. Saturday, April 7th is our first date Nice to do these mini things. We're going to try to do them once a month. That's my mid-semester break. So, that's, yeah. that all works out quite neatly. How cool is that? <laughs> that's very cool. <laughs> all right. And this time uh, when I travel to the States, I'm going to try not to leave my laptop in Denver Airport, which oh. I did this time around. Oh. I know, right? <laughs> Don't. Yeah. Well, they're well, shipping know. it to me by FedEx. So, well, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it's, you can blame it on the altitude, I think. Yeah. It really messed me up. <laughs> no. Well, I feel like giving away a mug. Do you? Yep. Loot. Loot time. Loot time. So, every show we give away stuff to a random member of the Two Keto Dudes fan club. And you can join the fan club mm-hmm. by going to fanclub.twoketo.com and you just answer a few questions. And uh, we pick somebody random. So, today's winner is Anita Pritchard. Congratulations, Anita. Yes. You're, you're our rando of the day. <laughs> That's right. Must be a lucky day for you. And if you don't want to wait to win a mug, you can always buy one at gear.2keto.com and pick yourself up a T-shirt while you're at it. I'm not saying assless <laughs> chaps again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Lynn, that brings us to... Mail. <laughs> Mail. All right, I'll start. Go for it. This one was a private message uh, from somebody in the forum. Mm-hmm. I won't disclose the name. Okay. Doesn't matter. Nah. But here it is. There's an interesting thread I've been participating in since I joined the forums recently. A lot of us adults have fixed our messed up metabolisms and whatnot, but what about our kids? Right. I have an obese son who's 12. Ooh, wow. That's early. And would like to get him on track somehow without making him feel like I'm depriving him of simple things like birthday parties, holidays, you know, the times where we all celebrate with sugar and carbs. In a perfect world, my 12-year-old would have the logic and reasoning skills to say, these carbs are killing me, but we all know how imperfect our world is. Yeah. Maybe you could get some experts to chime in 
on such a topic on the podcast. I don't know the solution to my son's problem yet, but man, I, I am certainly trying to deal with the problem without him hating me for the rest of my life. <laughs> anyway, it's just an idea I'm throwing out there because it's relevant to my interests and maybe a lot of parents out there. It's a carby world we're stuck in and kids pose a unique problem to parents when they start packing on the pounds. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's especially difficult because he, your son probably shares your DNA and yeah. uh, and has the same um, metabolic flaws that you do and right. you have the same diet. That's the other thing is we not only share DNA with our children, we eat the same food, so we share the same diet, the same right. environment. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it means that for our kids, um, they get a head start in this whole metabolic uh, roller coaster. And yeah. in some cases, kids get it in the womb. They're already being adapted to a large amount of glucose and having to create a lot of insulin for it. So yeah. um, it's, it's extremely unfortunate. But I don't have any good advice for you because I'm not, not a parent. But Well, I do. I, I, I don't know if it's good advice, but it's advice anyway. I'm, I mm. think that in order for uh, kids to really get it, they have to experience it. Kids like to think about the future mm. instead of focusing on the now, right? Right. And as we all know, when, when you're starting keto and you think about the future, you're, it's almost like you're losing things. You're, it's like a loss. Right. I'm, I'm, yeah. I can't have cake. I can't have ice cream is what I can't have. And mm. so with a kid, just say, look, we're going to do this for, for three days. You know, we're going to, we're going to okay. eat like this for just three days. At the end of the three days, you can go back and have all the sugar and crap and everything else that you want. But for right. three days, we're just going to do that. So it's not like forever. Mm -hmm. But what happens is if they can do this in three days, they'll feel better and say, okay, you might have dropped a few pounds, but you feel great, right? Let's yeah. focus on that feeling. And do you want to continue to feel great? Okay. Let's go another day. That's a good way of doing it. Yeah. And then just negotiate. Is today the day that we go off it? Okay. Mm -hmm. Let's make a note of how we feel. And when we go off it, how that feels. Yeah. And was it worth it? Yeah, that's actually sneaky because uh, water weight in the first three days. Yeah. They're going to drop like uh, two or three kilos in the first three days. They're going to feel yeah. great. Yeah, they're going to feel amazing. As soon as they go off, it all comes back again. Right. It's like that signing bonus. So that's quite sneaky, yeah. Yeah. Very impressive. Sneaky, but, you know, that's the way to do it. Now they're only thinking three days ahead, you know, not right. for the rest of my life. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Oh, well, thanks for that. Yeah, thanks for that. What do you got? So I've got one from uh, Mark, and Mark is also on our forum, and he's, this one is entitled Carrying the Message, and he says, it's been suggested by Carl and Richard that we should attempt to bring our message of health to at least two others. For me, my software engineer and my general manager and their spouses have both started keto as of this week. Wow. In the, manu in the manufacturing facility where I work in America's Midwest in Wisconsin, that is now a total of five, not including their spouses, people of less than 100 doing keto. Uh, huh. Thanks, everyone, for helping me to change the world. And this is a great thread. There's a lot of people leaning in to the entire process. What we're really trying to do is we're trying to get the grassroots uh, of, uh, of people who are suffering metabolic syndrome mm. to ha give it a go uh, and, and just try it out. And if it, f if it fixes them or at least helps to halt the progression of their disease, for them to take responsibility for two other people. And if everybody does that, it's a geometric progression that will take over the world. 
Yeah. Agreed. Well, Richard, before we get started, uh, we have a very special guest on the line for the next five minutes. It's Daisy Brackenhall from Keto Woman Podcast. Hi, Daisy. Hiya. How are you doing? Great to talk to you. We just did a recording with you for your show, and we thought we haven't really talked all that much about Keto Woman on this show, so we thought we'd give you a little time to tell us about your podcast. Tell you about my extraordinary women and yes. the odd man. <laughs> and you, you two have just added to that. You've been my second and third. <laughs> We've been called worse than odd. <laughs> yeah, tell us about it. I mean, I knew I would, but I've just thoroughly enjoyed it. It's, it's the perfect excuse to talk to people and ask them whatever I want to ask them, really. But one of the common things that I get when I'm talking before the show to the guest is that they say, I, I, just, I just don't think my story is going to be interesting. It's, you know, I, I've, lis hmm. I've listened to your show and I've heard yeah. all these really cool and, and interesting stories that, that people have got to say. And, and mine just, mine's just boring in comparison. Huh. And what I say is, everyone says that to me. Uh. <laughs> that is pretty well. Every <laughs> single person I've spoken to has said the exact same thing. So, wow. <laughs> Your story is extraordinary. And that was, that was the whole idea. The whole concept was that seemingly ordinary people have extraordinary stories and, yes. and they really do. And um, we've had so many now. We've talked about the difficult subject of eating disorders with Erin, Joey, Karen and Debbie. Yeah. Really Aaron, yeah. powerful stories that, that resonate with listeners. And I think one of the important things to remember with eating disorders is that it tends to be very isolating. Yes. And you know that there are other people who right. have the same issues you do, but it's something that you don't necessarily feel able to talk about. So when you're hearing that quite intimate conversation in your ear, it might just be the trigger that leads you to get help. And mm. indeed, I've had quite a few personal messages coming to me saying that exact thing. You know, we, we listened wow. to your podcast with Erin, for example, was a really good one. And I realized I had to do something. You know, Erin's in particular where she was talking about how she not only wasn't eating properly, but she over-exercised. Yeah. And this woman who wrote to me was listening to the podcast yeah. while she was over-exercising at the gym. Whew. She was listening to it. She started oh, crying wow. and she said, that was it. That was my moment when I decided I had to do something. So wow. as, as we were talking about in the interview we've just done, when you realize the really powerful impact that somebody's words can have, hmm. it's incredible. And there've been so many good stories. The regular foodies with Taffany Elrod are fantastic. Yeah. I love talking to we Taffany. We love Taffy. She's She's always great fun with fantastic recipes. Yeah. She comes back regularly. And we, yeah, we did a Christmas special, uh, Valentine's. We've got a chips and dips coming up. Nice. Who doesn't like dips? <laughs> yeah, right. And of course, we had Austin from Rebel Ice Cream coming on talking about his fabulous ice cream. Uh-huh. Dan and Erica in, in Australia with their, with their food and travel blog. They go around finding great keto places to eat. Excellent. What a job. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we've had the we've had the exercise queens. So Jessica with with her dragon boat racing. Right. Brooke with her walking and the mm. interesting things she talks about about different kinds of movement. 
Carol, who's a runner, that's coming up next week. Chrissy, who's an Ironman triathlete in her fifties, wow. who yeah blew me away. <laughs> yeah, we've had we've had our admins on. Louise, of course, was my first ever. Yeah, Kim and Siobhan. Yeah, and some and a couple of really interesting knockout ones that that I tend to link to a lot. Carolina, for example, with her uh, incredible story. Yes, about being told that that she could never conceive. Yeah. And she had PCOS and all sorts of hormonal issues from the age of three, I believe. Mm. Quite incredible. And ended up spontaneous twins. Twins. So, twin boys. <laughs> so absolutely <laughs> incredible story. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's just been fantastic. We've just had, just had a couple of weeks, a two-parter with Amber O'Hearn, of course, which was, yep. which was great. Lots of interest in carnivore at the moment. Yeah. And I've got some exciting people coming up. I uh, I might be interviewing Nina Tyshultz, which I am beyond yeah. excited about. <laughs> awesome. And you lot have been networking for me at uh, Low Carb Breckenridge. So yeah. I have a few really exciting uh -huh. celebrity guests coming up. That's great. That's great. It's really cool that there is a show like this just for women because women have, you know, different experiences with keto than men do. And, you know, that was one of the things that we were told with the two keto dudes early on. Hey, dudes, what's with the dudes thing? You know, <laughs> where are all the women? And we're like, you know, we're, d we're dudes. That's why we call it two keto dudes. We, we interview we women, do. but the, you know, the, it, it, it takes a podcast for women by women, you know, to really hit home, I think. Yeah. And it's, and it's just great fun. And I love focusing just on them yeah. and that's what i wanted to do from the start was really make the whole show about them and and that's what i do and it's for the most part the the difficulty is is keeping it down to to an hour i could go on talking <laughs> to most of them for about three hours <laughs> they're all so fascinating i love it and yeah. and have become you know really good friends with them all as well great women that's great daisy and so where can people find the keto woman podcast so you can find it in all the usual places. I well, you're not allowed to call it iTunes anymore, is it? What is Apple it now? Podcasts. Apple Podcasts. Yeah. I, I, Apple Podcasts. I, so everybody has a podcast <laughs> app on their phone. You know, exactly. however you get them, just search for Keto Woman. Uh, yes, just just look for Keto Woman, or you can go to the website and get it via there, which is ketowomanpodcast.com. And it's and woman, not women, right? Exactly. It's yeah. it's not women. It's keto woman. And yes. if you're my next extraordinary woman, then you can get in touch with me at Daisy at ketowomanpodcast.com. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Daisy. Thank you very much, Carl. Thank you, Richard. Thanks, Daisy. Everything you do, Daisy, is charming, and that is no exception. Well, we... Uh are here to sort of give our thoughts about low carb Breckenridge. And first of all, I just got to say, I had a fantastic time, you know, uh, obviously yeah. the talks were the highlight, but uh, the, the social aspect of it at our, at our party house was amazing too. And I just love cooking for people, but we're going to talk about the talks. Yeah. So this conference was put on by Jeff Gerber and Rod Taylor, uh, two mm -hmm. doctors, one in Colorado and one in Melbourne, Australia. Um, and these guys, they just get together and they ski. 
uh, and right. they've uh, they ski in Breckenridge and or Vale or any somewhere around Denver, mm-hmm. and uh, they meet up every year. And uh, they decided uh, three years ago. Why don't we do a conference? Because they're both low carb doctors, right. and so they uh, did low carb Vale. That was the first conference, and then last year they did low carb Breckenridge. And this is the second time they've done low carb Breckenridge. So this is the third conference, and it, it's grown from you know uh, a, a dozen people or so to to a hundred to now three hundred people. So you know they've done really good, and they've put together a really interesting conference. Yep. They also do the low carb down under conference, right? Yeah, that's that's Rod Taylor in Melbourne, and he does a couple of low carb conferences in Australia. In fact, he's doing one in Perth uh, next weekend, which I'll be going to, which will be good. Wow. Um, the interesting thing about uh, low carb Breck is that Jeff Gerber puts a lot of effort into making sure that uh, physicians can get CME credits, continuing yeah. medical. E- Education, uh, and so some fifty percent of the audience are physicians. Yep. And it, this this year, there, at least five of them were cardiologists. So that's remarkable. Mm, it is remarkable. Um, yeah. So um, yeah, it's and anyway, the the it was a three day event, uh, and uh, there was a bunch of really interesting uh, presentations. So the first day was uh, it it every presentation just got better and better. So there yeah. was. Catherine Crofts t- came on to talk about hyperinsulinemia. Uh, now, she's a New Zealander, and one of the things that uh, that First Nations people in New Zealand do is that they have a tribute at the beginning of every sporting event or, right. or public event. Uh, it's called a karakia. And uh, so she did a karakia in uh, Maori. It's a Maori um, in Maori dialect, Maori yeah. language. Yeah. Um, I wrote out the English version of that, which is quite interesting because now you may not know of Ka- Catherine Crofts, but she is the person who has the legacy of Dr. Joseph Crofts' data. Yes. And she's the one who holds on to that. So uh, her karakia is, in these mountains, let our spirits fly free so that we may learn from our colleagues so that knowledge is never lost. It does not disappear. It is kept safe. We acknowledge those that have gone before, especially Joseph Craft. We acknowledge the Sky Father above and the Earth Mother below. Let us be united in purpose and understanding. Wow. And I thought thought that was quite remarkable. I'd it never seen wonderful. anyone do that before. So um, so mm. she, um, uh, as I say, she has uh, Dr. Craft's data. When we were at the Breckenridge Conference last year, he passed away on the second day of the conference. Yeah, I remember. So it's only a year. It's only been a year since he's been gone, and mm. of course, his data is is owned by his estate. Uh, she doesn't have the rights to share his data. Right. I I liked her story about how she call. She just decided to call or write. Maybe. Yes, she wrote right. and said, "You know, I, I'd like to see about getting your data," mm. and he said, "Yeah." Okay. Yeah, sure. Hey, no worries. No worries. I've got 350 discs here. Yeah. <laughs> and he sent, made a copy and sent it to her. And, mm. you know, and she feels like, wow, I, can you imagine that? You know, here's the guy who's got so much data about the, these people that he did the insulin test on. So she, yeah. she categorized them into, well, Kraft categorized them into types, right? Yeah. Into patterns. Yeah. Patterns. So he could actually determine if somebody was, had hidden diabetes, or he called it occult diabetes, mm. uh, 10, 15 years before 
uh, traditional medicine would observe that their glucose is starting to go out of control and they're right. starting to become diabetic. So he could actually see the beginning of the disease 10 or 15 years beforehand. Yeah. And yeah. Um, the interesting thing is that when she got that data, she was able to determine whether somebody was healthy or not from just one data point. See, the craft tests, you, you have to test your insulin every half an hour for five hours after taking uh, a, um, a glucose bolus. But she was mm. able to determine that if you could uh, look at how much insulin somebody made two hours after the, uh, the glucose, uh, if it's under 30, then there's a 98% chance that you're fine. And if it's over 50, there's a 99% chance that you're unhealthy. Right. And in that range, it should sound the alarm if you're in that range, you're, if you're over 30. Certainly, if you're over 50, you need to worry about it. If you're yeah. between 30 and 50, she suggests just go low carb and you'll be fine. Um, what she right. doesn't have the rights to do is share that data. So she's right. in the process of setting up a trust to look after the data for his family. Mm. Um, and uh, one of the things from 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 our point of view as, uh, as people who are ketogenic dieters, we kind of want to know how well we're doing with this ketogenic diet. Are we reversing our insulin resistance? And so mm. she made the point that uh, a fasting insulin test is really doesn't tell you a lot because it's like uh, it's like. Uh, looking at the speed of a, of a of an engine when it's up on blocks, you know right. what what she wants to do is, or sh she suggests, you really should be looking at the engine when it's under motion, mm. and uh, so fasting insulin really doesn't tell you a lot. Uh, right. But what you can do, she she suggested, if you're already diabetic, there's not much point in dis in discovering whether you've got a hidden diabetes. Right. But right. she suggests what we should do is uh, we should do an insulin test two hours after having a normal keto meal. Right. And if our insulin has come back to uh, to our baseline, then we're becoming healthy. We're becoming yep. more insulin sensitive. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, Ivor Cummins was up next, and uh, he was talking, of course, about the calcium score, but it was yeah. a little bit it was a little bit different this time, wasn't it? Hmm. Yeah, he actually uh, looked into, certainly into the data of the calcium artery score, but he, and, and the reliability of it. But during the Q&A, he said something very interesting. And this was, what happens if you have a high uh, calcium score? How can you turn that around? And he suggested that uh, there is some data from William Davis, the, the guy who wrote Wheat Belly, yep. uh, who published a paper and he's done a lot of these calcium scores and he's managed to get some 50% of his uh, uh, people have see their score reduce slightly um, mm. and Ivor also says anecdotally some people on low carb diets are seeing some regressing of their of their scores yeah. um, and he suggests that if you are able to just slow the progression that could almost be as beneficial as having a low score yeah it's the trend that's not your friend you know and when we interviewed him about this on Two Keto Dudes, you know, a year ago, I think it was, the first time, mm. yeah, that's what he said. He said, you want to make sure that it's not getting worse. If it's right. if it's staying the same, that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's when it continues to progress that you really have, uh, you're really in danger. Yeah. Anyway, Ivor was great, and uh, we got a signed copy of his book, him and Gerber's <laughs> book. We did indeed, yeah. It's an excellent book. It really is a good one. Yeah. Yep. The book is called Eat Rich, Live Long, and it's a good combination of science and recipes. Kind of like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of is. 
Uh, Dave Feldman. What what can we say about Dave other than the guy's a genius? The guy's a genius. The Galileo of lipids. Yeah. I call He's him. come up with a brand new analogy, which is uh, uh, how a nation distributes food after a flood crisis. And uh, right. with the, uh, the vehicles that are distributing the food being the lipoproteins and mm. uh, the food being triglycerides and mm. cholesterol being first aid kits that are set out <laughs> as support on the vehicles. And he made a good case that uh, remnant cholesterol uh, appears to be a marker for cardiovascular disease that is better than LDL lipoproteins mm. or better than uh, triglycerides over eight. Uh, so that was a very interesting talk. But it was. Uh, Dave goes deep when he goes in. <laughs> yeah, he does. So in remnant cholesterol is if you take your total cholesterol and you subtract both LDL and HDL, whatever's left yeah. over, that's remnant yeah. cholesterol. And he yeah. he told this whole story uh, with this allegory of you know the like you said that the ships distributing food after mm. a flood after a disaster. And it really just clicked. It clicked for me. It clicked for everybody there. He just did an amazing job. He certainly did, yeah. One of the next uh, presenters was uh, Stephen Finney. In fact, there was a presenter, a Andy Mente, from the Pure Study who spoke about salt. And then Stephen mm. Finney came on to talk about salt. And this is one of the things that he's really um, championed in the, in the low-carb space, this yes. uh, idea that Low carb flu that you know Atkins flu is really hyponatremia, which is a deficiency of sodium. Right. But Dr. Finney did a great presentation on the first day about um, beta hydroxybutyrate being not only just a fuel but also a signaling moiety that uh, can inhibit an enzyme that inhibits our defence against oxidative stress. So basically, what it that means is that it, it uh, increase uh, beta hydroxybutyrate in circulation increases our ability to to deal with oxidative stress. Mm. It also reduces insulin resistance um, as a, it signals to a reduction of insulin resistance, and it also um, uh, decreases the NLRP three inflammasome, which is a pathway for inflammatory disease. So that yeah. first presentation he did was really about all of these advantages of a ketogenic diet for yeah. um, for uh, inflammation. Right. One of the interesting news points that came out of this is you probably know that he, Dr. Finney, has had this Finney range of nutritional ketosis. He came up with the idea of nutritional ketosis, so he gets to define the range. And he's always said, you know, 0.5 to 3.0 uh, millimoles per liter of uh, a beta-hydroxybutyrate is adequate to, to, to be in ketosis. Well, mm. he's actually said... Having gone through the uh, study with Sarah Hulberg and the Verta uh, study, that people really after six months, their um, ketones drop down to 0.4 and they're still adequately in nutritional ketosis. So he, he sort of flagged that maybe the low end range of, uh, of ketones may drop a little bit. It, it, it won't be zero because you, if, you right. have zero ketones, and by definition, you, you're <laughs> not in ketosis, right? Sure. But um, yeah, he uh, so he certainly that first presentation was very interesting. Mm. What was controversial about low carb Breck was his second presentation. Yes, yeah. and this is when he laid into fasting, and he yeah. made a lot of statements about 
uh, lean tissue loss in fasting right. and uh, all of the problems involved with fasting and, and a lot of them use data that's uh, some in some cases 70, 80 years old, but it's never been challenged. I mean, this yeah. data is uh, sta- has stood the record. One thing I would mention is that uh, a lot of Dr. Finney's data is lean, healthy young men. Yeah. Uh, for example, in the George Cahill study, this uh, their subject was 70, 70 kilograms mm. um, and was quite lean. And mm. uh, so, you know, this is, uh, this is a very different category of person to somebody who has a lot of uh, body fat. The other thing is that he doesn't really believe in autophagy, does he? Well, he's actually said that he doesn't believe in it, but that was like uh, two months after the Nobel Prize was awarded to a guy for discovering yeah. it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, that he's entitled to his opinion and he's sure. entitled to make his case, and and I, I respect that, and I certainly respect everything he's done, but I just I I think some of his. Uh, uh, evidence that he gave was coloured by his um, uh, perceptions about fasting, and he mm. has said to me that he, the, in the seventies, there was a, a a diet called the liquid protein diet, which was essentially a protein fast, and it was basically gelatin. Gelatin, uh, you were just yeah. Eating jello, you know, and uh, the the problem is that it was nutritionally inadequate, and. Uh, mm. People died, but because this diet also puts you into a state of ketosis, ketones got a really bad reputation. And so yeah. he says that that crueled his career for forty years, and mm. he doesn't. He's not. He's not young enough to be able to survive that a second time round. Right. So that actually coloured his perceptions there. Yeah. So after that presentation that he did on sort of the double-edged sword, which was really a single edge for him on fasting. <laughs> right. In other words, sure. watch out. You uh, you approached him on the microphone in the Q&A session. You asked him a, what I thought was a pretty good question. So I asked him, uh, is fasting necessarily calorie restriction? Because a lot of the evidence that he gave, uh, the Fothergill study, for example, which I like to call the Kevin Hall Biggest Loser study, uh, showed that um, people who calorie restrict, their metabolism goes down. Right. Now, we know that um, people who fast, their metabolism doesn't drop, plummet like that. Um, and uh, so I asked him the question, you know, do, is, is uh, a fast necessary caloric restriction? For example, if you, have, um, if you have 10 pounds of body fat, then you're able to produce 300 calories a day from that body fat. That's going to be a really rough day because, mm. you know, a, a man is uh, – most men are uh, – uh, are requiring 1,500 calories a day-ish, uh, fifteen mm-hmm. to 2,000 calories a day, mm-hmm. and th- only getting 300 and you've got no backup, that's going to be a fairly horrible uh, haircut to your metabolic rate. But somebody who has 100 pounds of body fat can produce 3,000 yeah. kilocalories per day, and that is a wonderful day. So mm. does a person who has 3,000 calories a day of energy coming in from stored body fat do they have to use lean protein for energy and that was Mm. my question and he said that the evidence showed that they do yeah you found it remarkable and uh when megan ramos took the stage to talk about her experiences with patients and fasting one of the things that she said was that uh her patient profile is not lean 
athletic people with lo- little body fat. She would never fast people like that. They're yeah. overweight, diabetic, middle-aged people. And she's fasted 5,000 plus of them yeah. successfully and reversed uh, their metabolic syndrome. So, right. um, you know, this is, uh, this is one of the things is that uh, uh, Dr. Finney hasn't, hasn't fasted um, many people that I'm aware of and certainly not many that are obese and certainly not mm. in the numbers that, uh, that uh, the IDM program has clinically fasted people. So, um, yeah. In Dr. Finney's defense, one of the things he did say was a 48-hour fast is uh is is safe as far as his data shows but after that he thinks that uh he considers what we think of as autophagy to be you know um lean healthy muscle loss and my next thought was but after you feed again your body builds your muscles back it's not permanent damage just like when you exercise your muscles get torn up they get damaged and it's what happens after exercise. It's actually when you sleep, the, the day after when you sleep, right. that you actually build up your muscles. So, I think that autophagy happens all the time. Mm. Uh, it, it just goes into acceleration after three days. Yeah. Now, Dr. Finney said that he wouldn't uh, recommend fasting beyond 48 hours. Right. But, but that he suggests that intermittent fasting and time-restricted windows is entirely reasonable mm-hmm. uh, in the context of a day. Now, uh, the IDM program rarely fasts people longer than 48 hours anyway. So, yeah. you know, that's, that's, um, that's probably a, a nuance that was lost on the event. But I agree. I, yeah, I think that uh, there is certainly a lot of anecdotal evidence from people who've achieve remarkable success from fasting. And speaking personally, I would say that fasting was the first time that I recognized that I had total control over my appetite. Mm. And uh, so for me, it was an epiphany. For me, it was, uh, okay, I got this. I can do this. I don't have to eat. When, and, and until I'm ready and I can choose the time and place. And so for me, fasting was... Yeah, uh, it was a, a an eye opening experience. Uh, yeah. I generally don't fast more than three days, but <laughs> on the way to low carb Breckenridge, I fasted for ninety hours so <laughs> <laughs> successfully <great>. and happily. <laughs> well, I mean, we're not going to spend this entire episode talking about every single talk, but there are a couple no. that sort of go together, which is Nina Teichel's and uh, Dr. Michael Eads. And the reason they go together is because they both talked about vegetable oils. They both talked about saturated fats and uh, uh nina of course you know what can we say about her she's amazing she's uncovered yeah. all this uh well she reported on uh, all this research that was lost and uh turns out that saturated fat isn't going to kill you <laughs> so this interesting thing about nina's presentation was basically that she was saying that polyunsaturated fats are easily oxidized they have these uh extra double bonds that can take on oxygen or mm. uh you know can become damaged so the theory that she was delivering was that uh polyunsaturated fats or the more unsaturated fat is mm. uh the more po- uh, potential it has for being damaged and Whereas the saturated fat is pretty much in its ground state, it's not going to become much more damaged from where it is yeah. uh, without it, without a lot of heat. So what I found interesting about Michael Leeds' presentation, and I, I consider this to be the highlight of my 
uh, experience at uh, Low Carb Breckenridge. Uh, and that is that he was able to identify exactly how good or how bad a fatty acid is. And he explained it thusly. He explained that uh, our cells, when they metabolize fats uh, or any, any uh, substrate of energy, if they get too much energy, they have a backup mechanism where, called the reverse electron transport chain, mm. which is able to signal the rest of the cell to say, we're getting too much energy too quickly. We need to slow this whole thing down. Yeah. And so- Basically, uh, what it does is it, 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 it makes the cell temporarily, locally, insulin resistant. And we've always gotten used to insulin resistance being a bad thing, but right. Dr. Eads explained that insulin resistance in this local context was a great thing for the cell because it, was, it gives the cell the ability to regulate how much energy is coming in. Yeah, it says, nope, can't take any more. You're going to have to do something else with that energy, and it doesn't overstuff the cell. And saturated fat actually does that. It, it uh, causes that reverse electron transport chain. What happens is as you break down through beta oxidation, as you break down a fatty acid, you are going to be creating two different signaling molecules. They're part of the redox state of the, of the cell. You're going to be creating FADH2 and you're going to be creating NADHs. And the number that you make is dependent on the fat that you put into the process. So, for example, if you put in a saturated fat like palmitic, which is that this is actually the fat that we make when we have too much uh, energy and we need to start making fat. This is the fat that we make, palmitic acid. Mm. And you make 15 FADH2s and 31 NADHs. And that gives you an FADH2 to an NADH ratio or an FN ratio of 0.48. Mm. Now, he was able to show that more in that ratio is better. Below 0.46 you're not getting any of this reverse electron transport chain uh, activity. And one of the things that that does is it promotes mitogenesis. So we talk a lot about um, turning white adipose tissue into beige and then brown adipose tissue. Yeah. This is the process of making lots and lots more mitochondria. And this is why the color changes of the, ce- of, the, of, the of the fat cells, because um, when they just uh, have a very few mitochondria, they're white. But as you get more and more mitochondria, they become darker brown and then fully brown. So, mm. um, so this is the process of mitogenesis. And it's the cell responding, saying, we've got so much fuel and I can't turn it into energy fast enough, so we need more mitochondria. And this is actually a very healthy process. It's a good for thing. Us. Yeah. It is a more good thing. More mitochondria means more energy. That's right. More, and more fat burned. More ability to deal. More ability to deal with fuel. So, right. um, so palmitic acid. This is a saturated fat. Is zero point four eight. Where you really want to be zero point four six or greater. The monounsaturated version of the exact same fatty acid. So this is an eighteen carbon chain monounsaturated fat. This is called palmitoleic. So palmitic is the saturated. Palmitoleic is the monounsaturated fat, okay. and it has an FN ratio of 14 over 31, which is 0.45. So this is not as good, and it it won't have this reverse electron transport chain activity. Um, As another example is oleic, which is the monounsaturated fatty acid that's common in olive oil. Uh, It has an FADH2 uh, 
production of 16 and an NADH production of 35, which gives you 0.46. So oleic, monounsaturated fat in olive oil, it's okay. It'll, it'll, it'll produce some, but yeah. not nearly as much as the longer chain uh, saturated fatty acids. And nice. the polyunsaturated version of that exact same fatty acid, which is called linoleic, that is produces 15 FADH2s and 35 NADHs, which gives you a ratio of 0.43. So, Not it's good. well below the level. Yeah. Yeah. The TLDR, <laughs> too long, don't read version, is that yeah. we have a way to quantify good fats versus bad fats. And saturated fats are the king. Objectively. Yeah, with numbers. Yeah. And saturated fats are the king, and then monounsaturated, and then polyunsaturated. Which I guess is what Nina said all along. <laughs> but Right. But he actually showed the biochemistry. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He showed you how it happens in our, inside our cells. Nina was just saying, you know, that these polyunsaturated fats can become more uh, corrupted, more, you know, mm. broken apart easily. And mm. she's right. But, you know, at the cellular level, Dr. Eads was able to show how you really don't want to, uh, 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 to be running on polyunsaturated fats for energy. Right. So his, his uh, last slide said, eat more saturated fat. It's actually mm -hmm. protective, and he showed it, just like you yep. described it. And mm -hmm. avoid lineoleic acid like the plague. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so where is lineoleic acid? Yeah, so we went and looked it up. Uh, there's a, um, a place that I found it on the web, and you also looked it up in the uh, ndb.nalusda.gov website database. That's a nutrient database, yep. Yep, nutrient database. So... Starting mm -hmm. from the most uh, percentage of linoleic acid, evening primrose oil. I don't know anybody who eats wow. that. Is that like a – <laughs> wow. I thought that was what you put on your skin or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like a topical remedy. Yeah. 74%. oil. Sunflower oil is 71%. I I've heard of people eating that. Yeah. Corn oil is 59.27%. Yeah, I try not to eat any of that. Yeah. And cottonseed oil is 56%. And, and interestingly enough, that was one of the first seed oils. Uh, and it was used at the beginning of the Industrial Revolution. We used to use whale oil. And yeah. cottonseed was found to replace whale oil when mm. you know, killing whales became unpopular. Yeah. Soybean oil, which is in all commercial mayonnaise. Oh, yeah. And pretty much makes up all of the deep fried uh oil that you when you get french mm -hmm. fries anywhere uh yeah. you know anywhere it's going to be soybean oil that's why america makes so many soybeans we grow soybeans for the oil right. uh 56 not good. wow so skipping down we've got uh, peanut oil which we use a lot for frying that's 31 percent. right and again um the reason that i i'm using peanut oil for deep frying is because i've been told and i need to you know, somebody please correct me on this because mm -hmm. I really want to know. I've been told that it, because it has such a high smoke point that, yes, it has linoleic acid in it and it has, mm -hmm. you know, the, the poofas, but it uh, less of it sticks to the food. I don't know if that's, okay. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what I've been told. Well, I know that I use lard and tallow and yeah. lard actually has 10% linoleic acid and tallow has 3%. So right. maybe I might be switching more to tallow. <laughs> Yeah, right. Uh, mm -hmm. Extra virgin olive oil has 8.6%. Olive wow. oil has 7%. Mm -hmm. You found cocoa butter to be really low. 
yeah, 2.8% cocoa butter, uh, and stearic acid is the is the predominant uh, mm. fatty acid in cocoa butter. So if you're making low-carb or zero-carb chocolates, yeah. there's almost no linear lake acid in them. Almost none. Um, palm kernel oil, 2.76%. I've never used palm kernel oil, but I'm, I'm sure I've consumed it. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. My favourite too? Butter at 1.8, coconut oil at 1.6. Oh, yeah. Almost butter and no coconut linear oil. lake acid, yeah. <laughs> healthy, healthy fats. Yeah. So, that was a summary from, uh, from Dr. Reed's presentation, and uh, I, I find the man fascinating. He, he, he can just come up with an interesting way of looking at things that just totally changes your perspective. Yep. It was great. Um, there's so many other people that we didn't mention. Ben Bikeman had a good uh, presentation. So many other uh, people. So I, I think these videos will probably be online at some point mm. on YouTube. Yeah. 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 So wait for that. And when we find uh, when we find out that they're public, we'll we'll tell you. Mm, we'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah. And that brings us to recipes. Using so much linoleic acid, I think. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, I'm going to go first today. I know this recipe is in the vein of the dim sum uh, meals that I've been creating recently, but this is a Vietnamese recipe, and mm. you often find this in a dim sum course. It's in Vietnamese. It's called chow tom, which is grilled shrimp on sugar cane. Ooh. And uh, now I'm not going to use sugar cane here. I'm going to uh, tweak this recipe a little. I'm getting this recipe from Viet World Kitchen, and this is a traditional Vietnamese um, appetizer. And uh, what you do, it's, it's, it's essentially a, sh- a shrimp paste wrapped around a piece of sugar cane. But huh. we're not going to use sugar cane, of course. No, but no, no. There are Two options that we can use, and I've used, I've tried lemongrass, which works really well because uh-huh. that sort of limonene uh, flavor of lemongrass mm-hmm. is is really nice with shrimp. Uh, and the other thing you can do is you can go the other direction to fennel fronds, and fennel gives Ooh. you that sort of um, aniseed sort of uh, flavor to it. So both yeah. excellent options uh, to use other than uh, sugar cane. Very good. So, uh, so this recipe, you're going to take a pound of medium shrimp. Uh, you're going to uh, peel it and devein it. Um, it ends up being about 13 ounces net weight of, of flesh. Uh, we're going to use some salt. Now, the recipe calls for two teaspoons of cornstarch. I'm not going to use cornstarch. Instead, right. I'm going to use two teaspoons of Chinese cooking sherry, xiaoxing. And hmm. what we're going to do is we're going to stir the xiaoxing into the protein, and that what that will do is it'll cause the protein to gel a little bit. So it sets mm. the protein. It's just as good as cornstarch. So we have our pound of medium shrimp, 13 ounces of net weight, some, a little bit of salt. We're going to have our two teaspoons of shaoxing. Uh, we're going to have uh, we're going to have uh, some sweetener if you f- if you need sweetener. I don't. F- I find that these recipes that needs that use sugar. Um, don't need sweeteners when, right. you know, because my palate has sort of gotten used to not having sugar. But, you know, mm. if, if you must, uh, put a little bit of, uh, Splendor or, or sucralose or, um, uh, you know, uh, xylitol or something in the recipe. Um, we're going to have some fish sauce and fish sauce <sighs> is, uh, necessary for, for, 
for that flavor for the flavor for uh, shrimp. We're going to have uh, two cloves of uh, garlic minced and crushed into a paste, a large egg lightly beaten. Uh, some two tablespoons of minced shallots, uh, a tablespoon of minced pork fat bat. Now, I, what I use is, yeah, I use, I just use lard, so right. it's, it works just as well. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to, we're going to form. Basically, what we do is we're going to coarsely chop the shrimp and put them in a blender, and then we're going to add all of the. Uh, uh, ingredients and uh, so there's the salt the um, uh, the shaoxing wine the fish sauce the eggs garlic and shallots and we're going to transfer uh, in the food process we're going to blitz it until we get a coarse paste nice. and then we're going to s- s- transfer that to a bowl and stir in the, the the lard and we cover it with a plastic wrap and set it aside for 15 to 30 minutes now I'm going to s- I'm going to diverge briefly from this recipe after this process we've got the 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 wine the cooking sherry has um, been mixed well with the the proteins what we're then going to do is we're going to stir the 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 mixture until it starts to get thick and then we're going to wrap it around uh, our sticks of either lemongrass or fennel I mean, mm. you can use sugar cane if you want, but you know, yeah, I wouldn't. <laughs> so now that now, what you do is you're going to steam it and um, uh, use a a, a Chinese uh, wok uh, steaming gadget. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to put it in a bamboo steamer. We're going to put a a piece of uh, a lettuce leaf on the on the base of the steamer, or we can use some um, uh, parchment paper as well, oiled parchment paper. They would and we're use banana steam leaves. Them. Sometimes, yeah, yeah, banana leaves. Yeah, the idea is to steam these into shape, and then either grill them or deep fry them. Mm. And if you're going to deep fry them, deep fry be them careful, in tallow, though. as we found. <laughs> yeah, be careful because it's going to have some water in it. So. Right, you might want to dry it off a little first. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so that's the recipe. Now, now, how you eat these things is you uh, basically have a, a small bowl with mayonnaise in, and you dip the prawn meat wrapped around the stick into the mayonnaise, and you nom nom nom. Nom and that's nom my nom. Recipe. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, I'm going to give my recipe for just simple, fabulous shrimp. Okay, it's it's pretty simple. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just sautéed shrimp, but this is what I do when I sauté shrimp. Uh, I start with a pound of shrimp, just like you, yep. and uh, butter to satiety, whatever that means for you. <laughs> yeah, I'm, you know, I'm thinking at least uh, a few tablespoons of butter in the pan. Mm-hmm. I use a cast mm-hmm. iron pan. You can yep. use whatever you like, of course. Um, for garlic, I'm going to chop up or crush maybe four cloves of garlic. So garlic is okay. predominant in here. Yeah, it's a garlic forward flavor. Absolutely. Also, lemon juice and white wine. Lemon juice you don't need much of, but it gives that piquant kind of uh, flavor mm-hmm. with shrimp. It goes really well with shrimp. And yeah. if you haven't noticed, I've been on a lemon zest kick lately. That's where the oil yep. is. That's where the flavor I is. I noticed. Can, yeah. So anytime <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm using lemon juice, I'm also zesting the lemon, put some in there. And the juice of half a lemon is probably adequate. Mm-hmm. I'm going to add some white wine to this. Now, notice I haven't put the shrimp in yet. I've just got the butter, the garlic, the lemon juice, the white wine, and, you know, maybe half a cup, half a cup of white wine. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can salt and pepper to taste. And some people also put in a little hot chili, you know, some chili paste. Sure. And there's uh, all sorts of different kinds of chili paste out there. Just make sure that it mm-hmm. doesn't have any um, 
any sugar. But that's optional. And, you know, when we're talking about small plates, we're talking about tapas. This is actually pretty yeah. close to just a firecracker shrimp um, yeah. tapas. Nice. <laughs> so the whole idea is you want to you want to heat that stuff up. And once it's heated up, then you put your shrimp in and you cook them uh, in in this sauce. And mm. it doesn't take long, right? We're just talking right. a couple of minutes per side over medium heat. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you just flip them over, you want to put them, you don't want to just put them in and stir and stir and stir because then you really don't have control over how much every shrimp gets cooked. Yeah. Put them down flat. By the time you've mm-hmm. laid them all out, it's probably time to flip over the first one you put down. Yeah. Do you watch the uh, progression of the opaqueness go through the flesh? So Absolutely. when it hits the middle and turn them over? Yeah. Absolutely. If you can, if you can do that, great. If not, you know, just use the, the two-minute rule. Yeah. And then um, you take these off and you have a lovely sauce, right? So put sure. the shrimp on a plate. Mm-hmm. You can continue to cook down that sauce if you want to, but you don't really mm-hmm. need to. You put that sauce on the side and then for a garnish, a little flat leaf parsley chopped up. Nice. And sprinkle that over. And, you know, if you want a small plate, you serve them one shrimp at a time or maybe mm. three yep. uh, or you could just put them in a big bowl and have at it. <laughs> Outstanding. <laughs> yeah. Simple, fabulous shrimp. That's a very shrimp forward uh, episode. <laughs> yep. Excellent. Shrimp it is. <laughs> of course, if you have anything that you want to tell us, something we said wrong, something you don't agree with, some more research that you found to support or refute anything that we've said, Send it by email to dudes at 2ketodudes.com or post it on our website. And you can follow us on Twitter at 2ketodudes, on Instagram at 2ketodudes, and make sure to use the hashtag 2ketodudes. And of course, if you want to join the free ketogenic forum, it's forum.2keto.com. And if useless swag is your fancy t-shirts, coffee mugs, and all that other junk, head over to gear.2keto.com. And if you want a shot at getting some of that swag for free, join the Two Keto Dudes fan club. You'll be eligible to win something in every show. Go to fanclub.2keto.com. And if you feel like supporting our forums and all the podcasts that we produce, including Two Keto Dudes, Keto Woman with Daisy Brackenhall, and the Obesity Code podcast with Jason Fung and Megan Ramos, think about making a monthly pledge on our Patreon page at patreon.2keto.com. Or just hit the donate button on our website at www.2ketodudes.com or just go to donate.2keto.com. And you can also see our podcasts and other videos on YouTube at youtube.2keto.com. And if you haven't already, go leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That's how new people get to find out about what we do. Two Keto Dudes is brought to you by Two Keto LLC, who strives to support the low-carb community with podcasts and other publications. Well... Keep calm and keto on, Richard. Put another shrimp on the barbie, Cal. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll see you next time on, on Two Keto, keto Dudes. Dudes.